This is session six of our series, Battling Unbelief. And the point of battling unbelief is to stress that belief has in it this amazing power to produce love and to produce holiness and to kill sin. And we are taking sessions now to see how this works in regard to specific sins. This time, how does belief produce humility or how does unbelief produce pride and how do we kill pride by battling unbelief? So, Father, all of us, because of our fallenness in Adam, struggle with self-centeredness and selfishness and the use of other people instead of serving other people. And we would like to be done with pride. We would like to kill pride in our lives. So come and use this session to kill our pride. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just by way of reminder say that there are two reasons for why this faith that we are trying to maintain and build up, has the power to produce love, holiness, and sin-killing. And one reason is because it is future-oriented. It banks on the promises of God. For example, here in Hebrews 11, 1-6, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Drop down to verse 6. And without faith... It is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God, who's coming now to God, must believe, that's what this faith does, it believes two things, that he exists, and so that's a conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So it must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him, who come to him. That is, it's the assurance of things hoped for. We, we don't go to God in faith, believing we're going to be damned. That's not faith. We go to God in the hope of future blessing that he will be for us what we need, which, which leads to the other thing, number two, namely, uh, this faith, this belief is a being satisfied in all that God promises to be for us in Jesus. It's not just a, a factual notion in the head, it's a satisfaction in the soul. Just by way of reminder, John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes, which is parallel with come, will never thirst. So believing is a coming to Jesus so as not to hunger. In other words, it's a satisfaction of our souls. Or he says it again in 737, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink Whoever believes, and that's this coming, just like this believing is this coming, this believing is this coming. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So when we drink, we become so satisfied that it spills over and we become a blessing to other people. So the reason we are battling unbelief 
is because unbelief rejects the future promises of God and doesn't rest in them, and unbelief is not, is not satisfied in God. So the reason belief has such power is that it is a trusting the promises of God, and it is a being satisfied in all that God promises to be for us. So how does belief kill pride? How does battling unbelief battle pride? John 5, 44. How can you believe who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from God? This says, if you have a love affair with getting glory from other people, I've got to have the praises and the approval of other people. If that's your satisfaction, how can you believe? Meaning, you can't. That's the point of that rhetorical question. So believing, resting, trusting in Jesus, being satisfied in Jesus is the kind of thing that excludes this craving for approval and praise from other people. This is the antidote to this kind of pride. Here's an interesting text. When I first saw this, I could hardly believe it. Listen to how this argues. God says, I, I am he who comforts you. Sweet. Who are you? <laughs> like, what? Uh, this is pride. He is accusing them of pride. Who do you think you are? That you are afraid of man who dies when I'm the one who comforts you. Your, your pride is rooted in the fear of man because you're unwilling to trust me. It keeps on going. Watch this. You are afraid of man who dies. I never die. They die. And you're afraid of them, of the son of man in who is, is like grass. You're afraid of grass. <laughs> I'm the one who comforts you and you're afraid of grass. This is pride. And I have, and you have forgotten the Lord, your maker. I made you who stretched out the heavens. I put the universe and all the galaxies in place. I laid the foundations of the earth and you fear continually all the day. <laughs> What's so amazing about this is usually when we think that someone is afraid, someone is fearful, they're like little children and they need to be coddled. <laughs> Isaiah, or God speaking through Isaiah, says, this is pure pride. Your fear, your anxiety is pure pride. Who do you think you are to be afraid of grass when I am the one who comforts you and I am your maker and I spread the heavens and I founded the earth and you're going to fear all day long? What kind of a belittling of me is that and the exaltation of your own preference for human protection. That's amazing. So what's the antidote to who do you think you are? The antidote is, don't you know I comfort you? Don't you know I am the Lord who made everything, upholds everything, founds everything? You don't need to be afraid and therefore express your arrogant self-sufficiency. Wow. Hosea 13, 5 and 6, it was I who knew you. 
in the wilderness, God says, in the land of drought. But when they had grazed, when the people of Israel had grazed, gotten their full, they became full. They were filled and their heart was lifted up. And therefore, they forgot me. So God can provide so much for us that if we interpret it as coming from ourselves instead of from him, and we feel this warm fullness in our tummy, who needs God? And we become lifted up. Here's the way Jeremiah talks about it. Why do you boast of your valleys? Oh, faithless, faithless, no faith, daughter, who trusted in her treasures, saying, who will come against me? So boasting of ourselves and our resources comes from trusting in the wrong thing and feeling self-sufficient. Who needs God? I have gathered treasures from my cultivation of the valleys. <laughs> and here's what God has to say about that in Deuteronomy. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power, the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth every day on into the future. There is an interplay between past and future here. Remember the Lord. If you interpreted the past correctly, you would know how to trust him for the future. He is the one who goes on giving you power to get wealth so that you won't boast in yourself that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as at this day. The problem with pride, my power, my hand has gotten me this wealth is that it fails to see and be satisfied with the fact that it is he who gives you this power and without him you would be helpless which means your pride, your pride would be broken. Here's an amazing, <laughs> this is just glorious. First Corinthians 3, let no one boast in men. Remember they were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paul, uh, Cephas, and, and they're, they're getting kind of uh, pleasure and pride from having the best teacher. Let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. What? Having all things takes away pride? Instead of causing pride? Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God's. This is, this is Romans 8.32 again where he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not then with him give us all things? Jesus Christ 
purchased the universe and everything in it and all of his glory for our enjoyment forever. You don't need to buttress your ego by boasting in men because you have an inheritance that includes the entire world and everything in it. That's amazing. So possessing all things by virtue of the death of Jesus makes us the most confident of people and the humblest. Oh, God, let it be of people. First Peter 5, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. At the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. In the meantime, between now and when you get your inheritance, you can be humble. You don't need to be strutting and self-sufficient and make sure you get the praise you think you need or the tributes. No, no. You, you can be self-effacing, retiring, take the back seat, be humble, serve other people. Why? Because he cares for you. This is a great issue of trust, right? Being satisfied with all that God promises to be for you in his care for you. And I close with this text. Jeremiah 9. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, you want to boast? Okay, let's boast. Boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practice steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth because because in these things I delight. That right there means if you understand him, know him, embrace him, rest in him, delight in him, and be satisfied in him as the kind of God who not only does love and does justice and does righteousness, but the kind of God who actually delights in them, you will be done with boasting in your wisdom and boasting in your might and boasting in your riches as you will. The key, the key to killing pride is we kill the sin of pride by believing God's promises that God will care for us better than we could ever care for ourselves. That is, we will kill the sin of pride by being satisfied with all that God promises to be for us in Christ. This is the great battle, to be satisfied in God and kill pride.